0: It's Ryan Hooper here, and welcome to um, another episode in the series Stories from the Pack from Walls Fancast. Um, on this series, if you're not familiar with the series so far, uh, what we do really is it's an opportunity to really take a trip down and remain an interesting episode We're joined by um, a guest who shares their own experiences um, of following the Walls. Um, on this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by uh, the assistant editor of Mirror Football and Mirror Sport. Uh, that is Alex Richards. Alex, how are you doing?
2: Not so bad, mate. How are you? How's
0: yourself? Really good, really good. Thank you. Um, thanks so much for for coming on board with us. Um, I, I mentioned sort of before we sort of set this up that as time of recordings, footballs on on pause on a on a Premier League level for yourself. So, how have you kind of finded your found your your job? You know, in this process, are you working from home, or is that something you've
2: done generally anywhere, or? No, no, it's, it's been working from home. It's been um, very different, shall we say? Because I'm usually office based ninety five percent of the time, um, but for the last three weeks, pretty much t- three weeks, three months, I should say, twelve weeks, thirteen weeks now, based at home, <laughs> and it's been it's been a challenge because you know you, you're working in a team and you're working with. We've got reporters out in the field, but then we've got the guys in the office and, and we're in like a central hub that, you know, we're dealing with the news guys and we're dealing with ourselves and the reporters out in the field. As I say, it, it becomes very difficult when we are all then separate and, you know, we're having to yeah. chat on chat on Zoom if we need to have like a, a meeting or we're just talking on G-chat or Slack during the day when things are, when things are breaking and we need to get, get something and, and get on it immediately. It's, it's very difficult. And as I say, it's been a challenge, but I think we've, we've done all right with it. Um, as well as as well as well I would have expected when it was said that we were all going to have to go our separate ways kind of thing.
0: I guess that's the thing with your industry then, isn't it really? I would imagine, as you say, when there's a breaking story, it would be literally a case of running over, tapping on the shoulder and going, we've got something, we need to kind of act on it now. And then I guess it, does, the, does the process change where, you may have to get clearance, and then you're trying to get in touch with people, and I guess that poses its challenges as well.
2: Yeah, it just makes it all that little bit more more difficult, and and makes it that little bit longer. You know, as you say before, if, if it was something that you need to collaborate with the news desk, you, you run over and you you can have a chat and and tap someone on the shoulder and be like, "Like, this is happening. We mm. need to quickly. What can we do? Where Where do we stand?" Doing it, you know, somebody is working at home. You know, they might be literally as stupid as they're in the kitchen making themselves a cup of tea. Yeah. So, that's, so, so that's like two, three minutes, which you know it doesn't sound like anything, but at, at, at that moment when you are urgently wanting to do something, it, it's just one of those little things that that it all just becomes. They all add up at the end of the day, and it just becomes that little bit more more tricky, should we say? But I mean, as, as I say, it's it's yeah. it's been difficult for everybody in every industry and it's something that everybody has had to adapt to it's, it's
0: funny isn't it it's, it's,
2: it's kind of that call it's like
0: I'm, I, I log in at certain times with, with my day job so I'm working from home as well and then the boss has rung me a couple of times and both times I've not been near the phone <laughs> and yeah. I'm getting like really paranoid about it now I'm like I'm not taking the piece I am logged in I'm literally if I would be in the office then I might you know and then it's kind of like, you know, when you just kind of talk yourself into something, it's like, yeah, it's really weird to kind of try and just divide what you're doing about the eyes on you. But yeah, it's like you say, we're, we're all coping, we're all adjusting, but that's, that's the current day. Um, if you want to follow um, Alex on, on Twitter, I would really recommend it in terms of from a war's perspective and nationally as well. And I know there's a lot that Alex covers. You can do so uh, at double A underscore Richard um, as well. But when the podcast comes out, which you'll be listening to now, We'll obviously tag Alex in as well. Um, so that's the current day. The, the premise of, of the series is very much sort of down memory lane. And we may still call back to, to how things are now with walls. Um, and why not? Because we know how good things are right now. But for, for yourself, Alex, what was your first memories of, of following walls? What When did your Wolves story begin?
2: So, so I've had to check this with my dad. Because mm. I've, I've been racking my brains to think of my first game. And he thinks he's got it nailed to the opening day of the 93-94 season um Bristol City at home and they won 3-1 um and I was I was five years old and I've had a quick Wikipedia and a quick quick check of the score and any reports I can find from that day they won 3-1 Steve Ball scored twice Mm. I cannot remember a thing from this game
0: yeah
2: Um, but my dad is insistent that I marched up and down the stairs behind him because he sits on the end of a row in the North Bank. Mm-hmm. He's insistent, but I spent my day marching up and down, playing imaginary drums while fans <laughs> chanted and playing in tune with the fan chants. And, and that was my day. That's, that yeah. was all I did. I, I watched the game, he says, for probably, you know, some of the first half, came back to him at halftime, bits of the second. But for the majority, I was more fascinated in the crowd noise playing my imaginary drum kit. <laughs> that's brilliant. I think mean, that's the thing no it's
0: it's I do this and I ask people about their first game, but I have to say first memory because I can't nail down my first game i I can't i've got i i i can I can think there may be a game and it might have been in the the first five for example that I remember which was like Oxford I remember the old John Island sitting there, and as you say it was it's more about the going to the ground, isn't it really so obviously at an early age there what was you sort of that's not for that game but sort of as you went to go to the game what were you what were your first impressions of Molyneux? and was there any did you sit in the north bank often with your dad or did that change
2: no it was all, it was always the north bank um it was always driving in parking in like the civic center then walking under the subway and then just as you you know you, you walk under the subway and you get you get the noise of just everybody chatting as they're on the game and and the noise just getting progressively louder as you got close to the ground and then just as you come out of the subway that big big stand right there in front of you and just the colors you know you mm. you've got the smells of course of mr sizzle and and whatnot as well but just the colors of, of people and people selling badges a load of bull was being sold at the time the actual the official wolves magazine uh programs i should say were getting sold outside the ground as well um and then you've you've just got all the colors and, and when you walk into the ground and the old gold seats and and all the different old shirts, the newer shirts at the time, that was my takeaway from it. And just the noise. You know, mm. I can't remember that much of those early those early days of the actual football. But the noise and all that, that's the bit that always stuck with me.
0: And I think this is it, really. And I, and it's, it's good to hear that. Because I think that, that, that resonates. Because I think that's for a lot of people. You know, it's not always about, you know, how we played on that particular day. It's just going. I remember going with my dad. I remember going to the pub before and like you say, the the walk to the ground and it was like, wow, okay, I, I quite like this, I like a little bit of this because this is a different world and one which I didn't think I'd be part of and I think we we're obviously biased in terms of the, the the podcast here but you mentioned sort of the, the seats and so forth and I guess someone like yourself who you know covers football you know, on a, on a general scale, that there is something about Molyneux, isn't there? That it has that identity and it has that ground and it has that that look about it you know um and there's many other grounds which are similar with their own identity but there are also grounds which you know are kind of pop up micro stadiums where you can kind of change the color and you can be in one to the other so it's it's that molyneux factor there's something
2: about molyneux as a ground isn't there i think yeah certainly i think it's that city center location Mm. um i think that really does add to it being in and around because you you know yourself when you go to away games and and the ground is in kind of the middle of nowhere um Mm. and and you're a bit out of the city center or or wherever and and there's nowhere really to go for a drink round i I always think coventry highfield road used to used to be one of my favorites going through the streets Mm. and the housing to get there Um, but the rico arena a couple of times i've been there i've just no not it's it's pretty soulless and that's i don't mean to be disparaging to coventry fans um, but I just don't really like it, and and I think I think the great thing about Molyneux is that it is in that in that city centre. You know, you can go before games, around wherever you want to go, and you can all walk together. And and it means that the sounds and the sights come before you actually get into the ground. Mm. They they follow you there, and and I think that's something that's really great about it. And and I think that through all the talk of Wolves keep on. You know, they want to expand Molyneux, they want to make it bigger, rather than moving to a new stadium out of the way. That's the big thing that I think you don't want to lose that because it is the feeling of fans get coming out of the pub, going to the ground, being as one before they've even got in a seat.
0: Yeah, and I, th- I think this is it. And I think the the point you make in terms of, you know, there are stadiums that, that that you go to and it's kind of like you're out of it and then it's there, but you know, there's there's a presence and I think Coventry fans would agree with me, to be honest, in terms of, you know, their recollections of Highfield Road and, um, you know, Man City would have become an amazing force. One of the first games I went to was Main Road and that I loved that because it was sort of my side, it was the cobbled, you know, the streets, the northern streets and it kind of felt like, you know, um, part of it. So, no, that that really kind of, yeah, I, I I get absolutely where you're coming from. I mean, in terms of those early games, um, any standout players? I mean, you mentioned Bully, which is kind of goes without saying, scoring probably on your debut. Bully, any others in particular or unsung heroes at that time you looked out for?
2: I always remember John DeWolf just because mm. he, he just stood out. He, he was just an absolute giant of a man. Um, and this would be me being, you know, six, seven, eight years old. And he just, he just looked huge and imposing. And then he had the long hair as well. Just made mm. him, he, he just looked like a rock star. Yeah. Um, and and he really was one of the first that but I, but I really thought he he's just brilliant. Um, obviously, steeple as well. Andy Thompson, you know, he he was one of my, my dad's favourites. So I'd, I'd hear how reliable he was and how good he was. And, and you know, you, you could see that he was just a little guy on the pitch, but he didn't shirk a challenge and he always did his job. And then as it got slightly older, you know, Robbie Keane made his breakthrough. And that was the first time I actually, you know, I was... Eight nine then getting into getting into playing myself really and and he he was this young kid that just came out of nowhere and just had this little bit of spark and did these did these little skills that I hadn't really seen before at that you know what was then the second division first division championship now at that level and he, and I thought he was just absolutely brilliant he really was one that as soon as he broke through it you know he, he just attracted my eye whenever he was playing he was the one that I was watching. What what point did kind of I mean you'll you'll always
0: follow walls, but when was the sort of the transition? Do you remember the first time you kind of covered walls on a professional level? So when did that kind of come into effect for yourself?
2: First time I ever ever went into the press box would have been five years ago or so. So it would have been when they were when they were trying to get promoted. Um, At the time, I still had my season ticket, so more often (laughs) than not, I would. So more often than not, those Saturdays I would. Work, I would get work off make sure I was off work and and travel uh, at the early point I was working in Manchester so I'd travel down later on it became working in London so I'd travel up, meet my dad you know, pre-game, go for a few drinks with him or whatever and then go to the game with him just like as always um, so that was the first time really would have been five, five years ago or so probably towards the end of the end of Lambert would have been I know he wasn't mm. there that long but probably towards the end of Lambert would have been the first time he did it in a professional capacity. And then obviously Nuno coming in and, and doing it that little bit extra then. And and in more recent times, doing it more so, which has been absolutely brilliant. Those, those big, big nights, you know, the Man United games, the Man City game, working those nights. And and it's so good. I mean, that Man City game, the amount of rewrites I did in the middle of it.
1: <laughs> just, just,
2: and, but... I was in the middle of doing rewrites and trying to not celebrate too much, but yeah. also just having that little smile and being like, "Yes!" But then, oh shit, I've got to rewrite <laughs> this now. And and I thought I'd got a cracking bit at two two, and then Docty gets a winner, and it's just like, "Oh god, good lad!" But come on, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that that interests me to be honest, Alex. I like that idea. That, like you say, that. someone like myself can can do it and yeah i can talk about it on the 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 podcast but it's not like i have to put something out there and then and you kind of think well okay settle down now lads <laughs> that's fine you know if you're winning and then it's like yeah it's great but shit i've got this narrative and i've got to maybe change it slightly i suppose but then that's the enjoyable yeah. guess. i guess uh
2: oh no it is it's a great challenge but it's it's always that thing like obviously online we do a lot of you know the five talking points from the game and the five things we learned. So you might have a couple of those that you've done by half time. And they when when you're at halftime you'll read through them and you go, yeah, that's nailed on. He had an awful first half. He was he did this, did that. Mm-hmm. He might have an absolute stormer in the second half.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, now if you forget to go back and be like and add a few caveats and be like, oh he, you know, spin it again, that he really struggled but he came out on the other side of it. You can look really stupid at the end of the day if you if you go ahead and it gets published and then suddenly everyone's turning around to you and going, "Hold on, he he might have had a nightmare of the first half he scored twice in the second half and and they came out and won." So mm. it's one of those. It's a really it's a really good balancing act, but you do have to be careful at times.
0: It's great because it's. I mean, I love it after after a game. though. it's so subjective. Like you know that the, when the ratings come out and stuff like that and. It's just like anything, isn't it? Though no, really, it's it's you know, we, we we can we can build an opinion, and but then it's, it's you you just know people are just kind of getting on going. Why does he give Johnny six? Why is why is it why is he done that? Okay. But you
2: know, yeah, of course, I and mean, it's, it's also depends on your rating system as well because mm. you know, I I I'm a, I don't think I certainly know our, our newspaper very 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 rarely gives tens. You know, yeah. I think I think I've seen probably two in the seven and a half years I've, I've worked there. I think one of those was uh, Lionel Messi scoring a Champions League hat-trick or a double and setting up two more and, and just running the show. Um, but, but personal, you know, if you're giving a rating out of 10, your, your rating, you might start someone's average performance for you, you might give that, oh, okay, that's a five mark. Well, mm. someone else's average, average ratings might be a six mark. Now you both think they've had exactly the same game, but mm. you know it, it's a it's a different score. So it, it's always interesting, and I think I think they're one of those things that people like to know. Well, who who played well, who didn't play well? But mm. You do have to take them with a pinch of salt, and, and at the same time think to yourself, right? I think the, the the words that get said with the ratings are more important than the actual number themselves.
0: Mm no absolutely absolutely and it's 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 sort of like you say, sort of you know your rationale isn't it really for it so that that's kind of sort of um you know sort of the current and, and it's really interesting to know from your perspective it really does interest me and I'm sure it'll interest listeners as well as sort of how those worlds collide but speaking again you know essentially as, as a fan but you you could have been reporting at the time what's been your um let's go with we do highs and lows so we'll end on a positive so what a, I'll take you back to maybe what's the sort of worst experience you've had following or, or covering walls?
2: Um one of my so one of my earliest experiences was going to Burndon Park and Baltic. Right, right, yeah. not, not for the playoff game, but for the I was six at the time. It was a couple of days before my birthday. And it was in that season and we got absolutely battered five one. Mm-hmm. Um and it was it was a horrible day. It was cold. It was miserable. Um, it was one of the few occasions where my mom came to the game with me and my dad. And uh, there was actually a period in the second half. I think we were losing about four-one at that point. I actually fell asleep. You know, <laughs> I, I was that young and that bored,
1: yeah.
2: and I hated it that much, and I fell asleep that day. Um, yeah. And that was that sticks out as one of the you know real low points of it. Um, in more recent times, I, th- I think you know the Watford semi-final is always going to be a sore sore point. But I don't really see it as a low point. Um, you know, it, it it kind of at the time it was absolutely horrific, um, but it's just another just another point on the journey. When I when I look back at it, um, there was a there was a Brentford away game when things were starting to unravel under Jacket. And I think they lost three 0 and yes. that that was a and that was a that was a, yeah. bad, that was a bad night. Um, there was a there was a lot of hostile feeling in in the away stand that night, and it, that stands out as being a very a very poor and difficult evening. Um, so they're very the, the three that I I can vividly point to and say they they were difficult, disappointing, and whatnot, and then, and then of course. You know losing five one at home to West Brom in in that season when when that all went wrong as well. Um, that wasn't a great day, and that that was the time when you know you've, you've got friends and and it means more. I always think when you go back to the being young and and the game is as we've spoke about is all about the smells and and everything around the game. It's when you get to school age that it becomes about the actual match and the result. And you know, because you've got friends who support rival teams, and and that, and then you go into school on a Monday, and that's what you're discussing. Um, so at that point, that five-one game, you know, playing playing football at the time with a lot of lads who were Albion fans, and and they really enjoyed rubbing that one in.
0: Yeah, as, as they still do, as they still do. Yeah. But 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 this is you know, this is this is football, and it goes in cycles. And I and I'm with you on like the Watford one. It was it was it was really bad because, you know, it's a semi-final and it was a, an opportunity. But I think the point you make is really good because there are other loads you described there where you kind of think like the Albion one, where are go going? Whereas with the Watford one, it was like, well, we might be back in a couple of years. And that's not being arrogant, but it kind of just felt like, well, if we're as good as we think we are or, or we expect the club to be and seeing how the club has developed, then we're not going to be a stranger to this stage. It wasn't yeah. like it was a one-hit, if that makes
2: sense. No, it felt, it felt like a, a, a speed bump on a, on a journey. Mm. I mean, a pretty big speed bump and one that, you know, you look back and, OK, potentially could have derailed the side. But mm. but actually, the way they finished last season kind of reinvigorated them a little bit and they really kicked on. You know, you look at Watford on the flip side and mm. that was their pinnacle. That, that's been their peak. If you look at what's happened in the... In the months and the year since, you know, that semi-final win was terrific. But then they went and got thrashed in the final. They had a really disappointing start to this season. Manager gets sacked. New manager comes in. He struggles to make any impact. He gets sacked. And then they had to rely on Nigel Pearson, who's done a really good job to stabilise and to keep them in with a fight, shall we say. Um, But, that, you know, if if you're a Watford fan now, you're looking and going, well, when are we Get to another FA Cup semi-final, when are we gonna to get to another final? Um, whereas for us, as, as you say, it's not being arrogant, but we're looking at our team and thinking, mm, they've got a chance here, they can they can play with the big boys and they can compete for things.
0: Yeah, and, and 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 we know how good things are now, but what about your first sort of moment when you were like, God, this is I've never felt so either emotionally invested or so high as the wall stand? When was sort of your first moment when you were like, yeah. This 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 is this is fantastic.
2: Ooh, I mean, there's a, a couple of um, earlier away games. Uh, there was an an FA Cup game. I think it was Dave Jones first by Nottingham Forest away, um, yeah. and Adam Proudlock scored the winner, won one nil, and that that was you know that was one of the really first times. I think I would have been thirteen. That was one of the real first times that I really thought, oh, this is absolutely brilliant. This is terrific. Like I knew yeah. I liked I liked football before then, and I liked going to the Wolves and I really enjoyed it. But that was the first time I thought, oh, yes, this is bloody brilliant. And <laughs> and that was a terrific day. Um, because it wasn't. It was his first game, and we didn't have a particularly good team then. Mm. But it was um, it was one of those that was absolutely, you know remarkable and the scenes at the end of it were terrific um before before then I, I the fa cup semi-final against arsenal that was that was a good day you know the result was dreadful and we all have our feelings about the team that was selected that yeah. day um but that was a that was another one where you know a couple of years before that and you, you didn't pay so much attention to the result but you, but that was going to villa park and it being it being that bit different because it wasn't Molineux and. And it was a it was a semi final and it was neutral venues which were you know just felt so weird um, and that was that was great um, but the Jones era was was one really getting into getting into it and really falling in love with the actual support and the actual the way things went um, there was another another game against Forest it was a home game a midweek one um, and I'm. You know, I love football under the lights, night games. That, mm-hmm. that's, that's just brilliant for me. I Give me a night game over a noon kickoff any day of the week. I don't mm-hmm. think I'm the only one that, that thinks of that, but they are just the one. And there was a, a home game against Forest, 0-0, I think. And I think Sean Newton scored a winner. And I, I remember the crowd going just going absolutely crazy that night and it was, it was one of the first times I'd ever seen it. I think it might have might have kept us top of the league or or put us top of the league um and I, I just remember looking around and the crowd everywhere going ballistic that was the first that was the first time I actually
0: remember
2: seeing the crowd around me and just being like oh my god there are mm. 28 lunatics jumping everywhere and it's <laughs> so good I'm just gonna <laughs> jump with them and I, that really was one of the, one of the times when I thought, yes, that's it. That season under Jones, when he first came and took over, they had they had a couple of months, and then they spent a decent amount of money. Ultimately, the season ended in you know, should shouldn't say tragedy because that's too strong a word, but yeah. Albion clawing back that that amount of points and and getting promoted instead. But that was the season that really my love of just Wolves and. And being a fan and everything it meant that was one that really took hold.
0: What about um
2: the, the, the
0: obviously following that cardy?
2: Did you go to cardy
0: for the uh, uh, the Plough final
2: Millennium Stadium? Yeah, my, my what's it about? that is just standing on a chair for the entire ninety minutes because mm. when when I was when I was that age, I was quite short, and, and because every, no one was sitting down anywhere, so it was just standing mm. on a chair for ninety minutes, and you know the first forty five were. Unbelievable, but at the same time, you you know everyone everyone tells this story and everyone says it. You you still thought, oh god, let's not let's not have this go wrong now. Yeah, <laughs> because that's just not. And, and I don't think you know they came out second half, and and I don't think you ever felt secure until possibly after the penalty save. Mm. And, um, I think that was the first point you thought, oh my god, we are actually going to do it and get promoted now, because. You just had in the back of your mind constantly. Oh, I've, I've seen teams get promoted before, and I've seen I've seen better teams lose to lesser teams, but mm. I've never
0: seen
2: lose. I've never seen anyone lose a three goal lead. So please don't let it happen to us.
0: <laughs>
2: and I, th- I think it's it's
0: probably ties into the experience you talked about there with the previous season and kind of the heartaches before. And I don't know about you, but I kind of. It's took me a while to kind of get over um, a lot of that. Now, in the current day, when we do go goal behind, there's always still in the back of my mind to say, this is Wolves and we're g- this, 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 it, there's going to be a reason we're not going to do it. But uh, but I think I've finally come to the point where I'm like, I'm really comfortable watching this team because if they do go goal behind, invariably they're, all, they're, they're within the game. But I think at that time, unless you've got a five or six goal lead, because of what we'd seen prior, there was that feeling, like, is it for real? Is it really going to happen? You know. Um.
2: Yeah, and and I think it just extends to the, the kind of football that we we see them playing. Now. They play with such control and 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 kind of an an arrogance that yes, we do belong at this level and we'll play our game no matter who we're playing against. You know, whenever we've we've seen Wolves get promoted before and go up, it's always been that you come across teams and you're in the Premier League and you think, oh it's going to be difficult today. You know, remember that, that season under, under Jones, we had a really good team in the championship that didn't get promoted. And then they improved it with Ince and Irwin and Miller stayed and, and, and they were really good and they got promoted. And then you went into the, the Premier League and you thought, go on, we can, we can be a decent Premier League team. And then they got battered 5-1 at Blackburn on the opening day. They lost, I think, was it 4-0 in the first home game? Um, might have been Charlton. Charlton was the first one, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, and and at that point, you know, I remember then being on holiday and we were playing Man U in the midweek and bookmakers were pricing up at would we concede ten? Um, mm. and and that was that was just one of those things that that every time, you know, we had the McCarthy years when we went up and, and you always thought, right, let's just be a we aspired to be a mid table team. Mm. Now we aspire to be far, far higher. Mm. And so, as you say, you kind of lose that feeling of, of dread because mm. now we, we think, you know, we're a good team now. There's nothing else to say about it. We are a good team now. And so you don't dread it. Whereas, mm. as, as you say, it takes a little while for, for those kind of bumps that you hit to wear off.
0: Brilliant. And I suppose that sort of, cliches in terms of really being a roller coaster, but it is, you know, Wolves as a football club, and and many other clubs will have their own different stories, but, you know, when you've seen the relegations and the promotions and, you know, going back to the 80s, sort of, you know, and, and so forth, I mean, what is it, uh, I know it's a difficult thing to sum up, but uh, what are your feelings, you know, the title of the series is sort of, you know, stories from the pack and being part of the pack, how do you feel as, as a Wolves fan in terms of what that means, and does that tie into to how you feel about the city as well, and the location? And you know, now you you cover sort of the you know as a, as a national group paper. Do you feel like a guardian of the city, if that makes sense? And you know, how, are
2: you protective over it? No, not really. Not really. I mean, I've, I've so I'm Riley in Stourbridge originally. So I was always in that mixed zone of you know a lot of kids I knew were were Villa fans, a lot were Albion fans. Not many were Blues fans, and I can understand that. <laughs> um, and so, when I was growing up at school, then yes, then I was definitely like I'm Wolves. You know, it was me, there was a couple of my mates who were Wolves fans, and and we would you know defend Wolves to the ends of the earth, even even when that bloody Albion season happened and they come and they turn around and overtake it. You're still defending your team, you know, blindly. Oh well, you you are getting promoted and you have overtaken us by twelve points, but we've still got a better team. That sort of gibberish, <laughs> um, <laughs> but but now, now I very much I see it as this is my team and and these are my fans. I I don't think it needs me to to turn and to say like oh how great wolves are. Or this I think people can from outside can see that can see how how good this team is now and and how much the club is building. But Lord, there's always going to be questions about you know owner owners intentions and. You know the Mendes relationship and all that sort of stuff, but it, it's one—it's one of those things that because you're a Wolves fan, you will—you will see that other clubs having that. We're all seeing with Newcastle now all the scrutiny over their potential owners, Man City's owners. All every club has scrutiny to to some degree, um, and I think Wolves generally in the, in the wider wider scope of things very well respected and very actually very well liked right now. And I think that's because of what people see coming from the from the football pitch. And whenever you hear about Wolves at the moment, you always hear about how good the fans are in those big games and how much they get mm-hmm. the the noise that they that gets generated through the TV for for other fans to hear. And I think I think that's something that Wolves fans should really be proud of at the moment. No, absolutely.
0: And, and as you say, in terms of the team, you touched on it just as. As, as we come to the close here um at the time of recording we're, we're on we're on pause aren't we effectively the football and, and football may have, have started when when this goes out but we'll certainly still be away off off the season when that does conclude um where do you see Wolves finishing and that's a difficult question because one of the things I think about there is oh well actually do we lose a little bit because we haven't got that home support as well and do we lose that momentum and what what are your thoughts in terms of where you um, not expect because that's that's one thing, but where where you think wars may
2: finish? Uh, it's it's a very it's a whole new ball game for everybody, isn't it? Mm. I don't cliche, but the this break that they've all had, some teams will have used this break and it'll reinvigorate them. You know, players will find freshness and whatnot. Other teams, it came at really a horrific time and and just kind of stalled them. You've got to hope that we will be one of those that, given the long season that we've had, how early it started, how many games have been played, the, the small squad who have played those games, that it would work to our advantage. Um, I, I listened to you speak to Johnny Phillips, and he made a great point that, you know, it's kind of robbed us of three months of Jean Moutinho, because at, at his age, it's, it's difficult to get back into the swing of things. Um, and, and that may be very true, but you could look at it at the same time. Token that well, he's he's had three months now to rest and recuperate after having played so many minutes already this season. But it, it could, be, it could be exactly what he needs to go and end the season with a flourish. Um, I think I think it's as we as we have touched on it a number of times, we are a good team, and I, I don't think there's any fear for them. I, I don't think they should have any fears. They can go. There is this possibility of you know a Champions League place being open to a team that finishes fifth they're very much capable mm. I wouldn't like to, I wouldn't like to gamble on saying they will finish fifth or anything like that but they are very much capable because they're they're a team that you know this is a good season for a team like Wolves who are very comfortable in their own skin or a team a team like Sheffield United who similarly they know what they're about because you've mm. had Tottenham go through this stage where they've had Chattano leave and Mourinho come in and it's they look like they're caught between a rock and a hard place. They're not really sure of themselves. Arsenal, similar situation. So they're both falling out. Man United have, you know, Jekyll and Hyde for much of the season. But they, they seem to have found something with Bruno Fernandes and they'll have Rashford and Pogba back. So they, in theory, should finish the season well. But you just don't know whether they will or not. Um, so Wolves, very capable again. That that fifth place, can they finish in the top four? It's possible, it'd be difficult. But I think, you know, after how long this season has been for them, the amount of games still in Europe, of course, if they finish in that top seven or eight again, I think we all just have to applaud it and just say, Congratulations, well done. But it would be nice to see can they finish with a flourish? Can they nick that fifth spot? And then you're looking at you're looking at your wafer and do they turn around to Man City and go Sorry, lads. Not next season. Fifth place becomes a Champions League spot.
0: No, it's it's it, it is it's exciting. We get we're getting the bus for it again, and the, the you know there's there's many factors there, as you say, different teams and different dynamics, and it'd be interesting to see um, sort of how, how the season unfolds. Um, in the meantime, just before we, we do close, just in terms of the the, the fan cast, um If you can support us and give us all a a five-star review, we really do appreciate it. We're trying to give as much content out to fans as possible. Um, Some of the episodes we've launched, which will be available in the archive. We've recently done the Walls draft. Uh, We've done the alternative um, Hall of Fame, and we're continuing uh, with this series, uh, Stories from the Pack. Just thank you to to, to Alex. As I mentioned earlier, um, you can follow Alex on Twitter, double A underscore Richards, and I'll keep you updated uh, with the uh, developments as well. Um, So, Alex, thank you. Thank you very much, mate. Been a pleasure. And uh, from both of us, um, stay safe and uh, we'll see you soon.
2: Renting furniture with feather looks like. Pieces that fit your style and your space and cost less than your monthly phone bill. Oh, and did we mention delivery and assembly included? Feather. Start renting at LiftFeather.com.
1: Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC.